This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Welcome to yet another installment of COVID Report. My name is Prisinguenya, standing in for Karabo Asala, together with Gameli Bovana. So to help us navigate through our conversation today, we are speaking about um, how the pandemic has affected sports in general. We are joined by Matthew Paul Booth, who is a South African, a former professional footballer who played as a centre-back, and Booth spent the the majority of his career in his home country, but also played in Russia for six years and briefly played in England for three months. Matthew, welcome to COVID Report. Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. All right. So, Matthew, I'm just going to start at the beginning um, just to get a sentiment. Do you think that the absence of real sport presence on uh, an opportunity for the virtual technologies to grow in the world of sports? It always opens up, you know, new channels, new new ideas. I mean, we've seen the uptake on Zoom, what what we're doing exactly now, you know, how popular that is. And and certainly technology will will play a part in sport going forward. I think over the last year and a half, we've had to take a serious re look at the sports industry, how it operates here locally and from a international best practice point of view. I'm certain that technology will play a, an important role going forward. I mean, you just have to look at parts of Europe who have been uh, almost fully vaccinated and the processes of having to get into stadiums, for examples, um, and the technology that has been having to use to be used there in that, in that, just that very small dynamic, you know? So yes, certainly uh, technology will certainly play a part. Now, what would you say are some of the impacts of COVID-19 on physical activity and well-being that players or teams are likely to face? It's difficult to paint um, or, you know, use a, a wide brush, you know, for it just South Africa itself is a, is a very complicated, complex um, uh, state, you know. So globally, it just really depends on, on the uptake of people who get vaccinated. It's as simple as that. And I think the, the states and countries that are slower on the uptake with more larger percentages of uh, anti-vaxxers and vaccine hesitancy, uh, I think they're getting back to normal uh, will, will naturally take a lot longer. I think here locally, we've been a bit slow. And therefore, to some extent, I'm, I'm a liberal, but also conservative, uh, conservative in, in, in some regards. And I'm more conservative with regards to the point of trying to incentivize people to get back into the stadiums um, by using uh, the vaccination card and proof thereof. And you know, I think we've we as a as a footballing industry uh, as a whole have been rather quiet, and it's been a bit disappointing. I think clubs, particularly with large followings, um, I feel have got to be a lot more vocal and encourage people to get vaccinated uh, because we've got to get the economy back up and running. And sport is is definitely related to our economy, and vice versa. So if we want to see full stadiums, people getting back to the stadiums as soon as possible. If you want to see uh, young kids, um, uh, you know, spending three or four days a week uh, training for an hour and a half or two hours again as per normal, then that's what's got to be done. Mm. You know, you're touching on um, people getting back onto the field spectators. I know that uh, there has been conversations going around saying that 
if you don't vaccinate, you don't get to be allowed into the stadium to be a spectator. You would then need to be at home. And uh, with that being said, let's just get off the field here for a little bit and look at how the coronavirus has changed the world of sports reporting and uh, analysis. And has this made the job a, a bit more difficult or is it making it easier on your note? Yeah, so as a reporter or journalist, uh, I know that they they have been uh, complaining bitterly about not being able allowed, you know, to have face-to-face interviews. It does take a lot away from the interaction, the personal in- interaction between reporter and player or reporter and coach, having to do it via Zoom. And we would all love to get back to the norm, but unfortunately, that's not the case at the moment. From a punditry point of view, where I come into play um, at at Supersport, for example, we've had to have very strict testing. Um, we've got very large production crews that sit in an OB van, for example, at the stadium. We've got cameramen and crews at the studios. If I, for example, meet Amanda Glamini um, and we usually um, hug and kiss each other on the cheek, um, you know, we haven't been able to do that uh, as an example, you know, as a silly example. But I mean, those are the small things that we've had to adjust to and and the larger issues that we've had to address. We have to get tested every week and uh, the tests come back um, within a day so that people at HR can keep a fair amount of control on on who has access and who has to isolate. It has been quite demanding, but um, from our corporate point of view, I think they've been pretty much on the ball. Now, looking at the sports industry, and I mean, a year and six months later into COVID-19 pandemic, um, is there a need to start thinking about how the future will be like in post-COVID-19 pandemic, especially in the sports sector? I think also looking at the spectators as well, because, you know, like I said, without vaccination, you can't go into the field. And vaccination is just a quarter of the changes that we need to adjust to. Are there any other sports-related adjustments that you feel post-COVID-19 need to be implemented? Yeah, I think it all again. It all depends on on where this virus takes us, you know, and how we react to it, and how quickly we react to it. Naturally, the the different types of variants is kind of a concern to me. I kind of believe that if you have had your J and J shot or your two shots of Pfizer, I feel that that will boost our immune system and give us a, a sort of a defense going forward. And the fact that we should be allowed to mingle and to carry on with life as usual. I think that interaction itself will strengthen our, our defense even even further. And if, if that is the case, I'm certainly hoping that, that life will be able to go on as it was uh, before the outbreak. But, you know, you just have to play it by ear. And ultimately, we have to listen to the people that are informed, that are educated in this regard. We cannot afford to to listen to uh, misinformation. You know, I have very little time for anti-vaxxers. I have sympathy for vaccine people who are vaccine hesitant. And I would like to encourage those those people to go and assure themselves and get the correct information from the right people. This is, uh, uh, I cannot stress this enough. This is such an important point, you know. 
But from a sports point of view, again, I think education amongst athletes is important. And in fact, they are probably some of the more educated in this regard because they come from a sports science background. You know, um, they're surrounded by physios and doctors and and people of of such status in any case. So, from an athlete's point of view, I think uh, information is already there on how to conduct themselves. I think it's it's prepared us, if anything, for future pandemics, just like perhaps the Ebola virus did for parts of this continent. They were ready for this new pandemic, you know, in Corona. So it will certainly ready us for the future, which uh, certainly is a positive thing. Now, Matthew, I want to try and paint a picture here, you know, um, looking at the distress that might follow, especially after we see high levels amongst teams or individual um, players displaying. Having to go onto a field with no spectators can be a bit daunting as well. And uh, the changes that are associated in the sports industry, like you mentioned earlier on, some of the examples of having to test regularly and uh, passing it through to HR, you know, there's, it's, it's quite a lengthy process that people need to adjust to. But are we likely to see some of these distress amongst the players or even amongst individuals in the sports industry as well because of being disrupted or changes to their sports engagement due to the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I'm sure there has been an increased uh, stress level, without a doubt. I feel that psychologists, uh, psychiatrists uh, do not play a big enough role in the football industry and sports in general. I think elsewhere around the world, I think coaches and management have realized the importance of getting the player, getting an athlete in the right frame of mind. It's so important. And we haven't got gotten it quite right here in South Africa. If you take, for example, even marketing, marketing of clubs has been very poor. I feel that our club owners are very much old school types. Um, and if they're going to spend money on something, they want to feel it, you know. <laughs> and so they don't see value in in hiring a psychologist, for example. And this whole year and a half has exacerbated, well, the need for exactly those types of, of medical professionals to come on board. And it's very difficult to understand the level of stress because there has been no reporting. You know, there has been no investigation. There's been very little contact, you know, with, with athletes. So, yeah, it is, it is something that we have to perhaps focus more on. I think just, again, one element, you know, which certainly would be stressful for a footballer would be being in a camp with 30 players and and uh, it just takes one or two players not to abide by the new uh, regulations. And then you perhaps take the virus back to your family uh, unit, you know, that would be a huge stress on any player. But I think, again, we were one of the few industries that managed to finish their league last season, be it in a bubble. And they did it very successfully as well. And again, credit must go to the medical fraternity who certainly guided the league uh, in, in the right manner in, in how to conduct themselves in a very unusual uh, situation. And they did it very successfully as well. Matthew, before I let you go, just lastly, how do we continue to promote the positive social attitudes and behaviors towards team players? And teammates, I know that you did mention a little bit about psychology and people actually taking investing into therapy or anything like that that could assist them with their mental health as well. The clubs ultimately are business entities, you know, owned by businessmen. And so 
they have to realize that to build a better product, which is the player, they've got to take a holistic attitude to giving that player support. It's not only about paying them at the end of the month. There's so much more to maximizing a player's ability. And definitely uh, psychology is one of them. And I think if that's not done, then the player themselves must invest time, just like they should spend another 15, 20 minutes after training, investing in their game, you know, improving their weaknesses. They should also perhaps think about uh, visiting a psychologist themselves, um, should they have any issues. And which leads me to the major point in that you've got to acknowledge that you have an issue. First and foremost, you've got to acknowledge that you have a weakness in your game to correct it. You know, that's the first step. Whether whether athletes, male athletes, male footballers are, are, are willing to do that or not, um, well, I'm not so sure at this point in time. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on COVID Report. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. I think this is quite a, an intense topic that we would need to actually engage in further, especially when we look at the mental health of sports players. Absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait. Thank you very much, Matthew. That was Matthew Paul Booth, who is a South African, a former professional footballer who played as a centre-back. And Booth spent the majority of his career in his home country, but also played in Russia for six years and briefly played in England for three months as well. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams by www.vafm.co.za.